Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Burntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Burntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. Everybody. Oh, hi. What a surprise. Kristen and Jenny at the top of an episode of Buffering the Vampire Slayer with some announcements. <laughs> I did not see this coming Me personally. Either. We like to keep you on your toes. Mm-hmm. Hey, uh, if you are not aware, it is soon to be the 25th anniversary of the first ever episode of Buffy the Vampire Slayer airing on television. And we happen to be celebrating the 25th anniversary of Buffy the Vampire Slayer airing on television inside of Torrance High School, which is where they filmed the show. It is actually Sunnydale High School. It's not a big deal. Unbelievable. Yeah, because spoiler alert, it is a fucking big deal. And what's amazing is that now, if you're not joining us in person, you can join us from the comfort of your living room, your kitchen, your bedroom, wherever you have an internet hookup, you can watch us talk to some incredible human beings about our very favorite moments from Buffy, specifically our favorite moments that happened at Sunnydale High School. It's going to be a really fun time. Momenthouse.com slash buffering the vampire slayer is where you can scoop up those virtual tickets. It is March 11th at 7 p.m. Pacific, and bonus prize, if you can't join us at 7 p.m. Pacific because you'll be asleep or at work or otherwise engaged, it'll be on (laughs) demand for seven entire days. So fun. Yeah. From when you want it. Jenny, do you know who's going to join us on stage? Do you know Do you know about some yes! of our guests? Well, my very best friends, Latoya Ferguson and Morgan Ludich yes. from Angel on Top. That's correct. That is correct. Uh, number one, voted number one podcaster. <laughs> Hard stop. Joanna Robinson. <laughs> Uh, um, we'll also be talking to Evan Ross Katz, whose Buffy book is coming out. Ugh, it's going to be right around the same time as our prom. Very, very cool. Epic. I literally texted Joanna Robinson like minutes ago and was like, Joanna, just so you know, like you you have to tell me your favorite moment that happened at Sunnydale High School so that we can talk about it. She texted me like 50 things immediately. Like she didn't even stop. <laughs> things. She was like, boom, sending me pictures. I mean, this episode, that episode. <laughs> <laughs> so, like, we know there's going to be some people ready to talk about this show. And I'm so excited. I know what my favorite moment at yeah. Sunnydale High School is. Jenny and I are working on something pretty special. So you'll just have to tune in to find out. Uh, Momenthouse.com slash Buffering the Vampire Slayer. Virtual tickets are pretty cheap. They're 10 bucks, And you also uh, can scoop up some prom merch while you're in there, too. You can get it right there. It's just like, it's almost like computers are powerful things. It's amazing. Anyway, it is details, of course, always also on our website, bufferingthevampireslayer.com and um, on our socials. We'll be posting about it a whole bunch. So come join us. Have fun. Celebrate with the bufferers. Uh, It's going to be a good time. Well, the road to prom is long and winding, Mm. though it grows shorter every day. But we cannot possibly hope Mm. to reach prom without first crossing this sacred threshold. Yeah. Jenny, it's the sexual attention award results for conversations with dead people. 
Wild horses could not drag me away from these results. (laughs) (laughs) Excellent. Well, I'd like wild horses to drag me away from the (laughs) noms who landed in slot number four with 6% of the vote. It's Holden, Webster, and Spike. Mm, Yeah, not a good pairing. Uh, In third place, not really receiving the respect I think they are due as a pair. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. With with a measly 7% of the vote, it's Cassie's mouth and negative space. I mean, literally wild horses could not drag you away from Cassie's mouth and that negative space. You know, you'd just go, what? Sucked right in. I'm I'm upset too. They deserved more. In slot number two, with 11% of the vote, we have Spike in his bloody teeth. It's fine. It's no Cassie's mouth and negative space, but it's fine. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. A lot of mouth. A lot of I- mouth play. Sexual tension awards. And in the number one slot, absolutely destroying any poll into which they ever are entered, even in a theoretical sense, capturing 76% of the 761 votes we received. It's rumors of what Buffy and Faith were getting up to in season three. Emily Brackett's McLongstreet is already like, how will I make a slide for this? How does one show the rumors of Buffy? But I believe in you, Emily. (laughs) Emily will find a way. Emily will find a way. Uh, We're keeping it. I was going to say tight. And then I was like, who am I? Jenny Owen Youngs? Yeah. Keeping it tight tight up in the intro we just have an email to read before we roll on over into sleeper i promised you that i would read to you an email called give hecate a break yes tasha wrote in uh to you know respond to us saying like you know hecate man every time she sits down she puts her fucking feet up she just wants to relax and then somebody's like, boom, Hecate, I need you again. Hey, Hecate, hey, excuse me, Hecate. Is nothing sacred? Literally. I mean, that's what she's asking. Is Hecate destined to never relax? Well, to never recharge? Tasha's trying to help out here. So I'm sure Hecate appreciates it. Tasha wrote in and said, I'm sure that you've gotten a slew of emails from other witches about this already. But I wanted to put my dash of salt about Hecate in pop culture. <laughs> brilliant you see that this is how you do it people this is how you write a fucking email tidy lovely funny good it's always hecate who was called upon in tv and movie spells because she's the goddess of witchcraft so a quick google by a writer makes her an obvious choice she's also referenced by shakespeare so it's likely that writers are already familiar with her due to her appearance in macbeth Oh, yeah. Yeah. In regards to Willow's spell, Hecate isn't an obvious choice for a deity to assist with a gender-bending love working, however. True, Mm. Hecate is considered mutable because she has three faces. But she's also the dark goddess who greets the newly dead at the crossroads to the underworld to guide them. (laughs) (laughs) That feeling when you are also the dark goddess who greets the newly dead at the crossroads to the underworld to guide them. Of course. Of course. Uh, Tasha continues, that's a little morbid to say the least. If Willow wants a better deity... Is that how you say that? I think it's deity. Yeah, I was wondering but also, why you didn't correct me. Though. I think the Latin would kind of imply that it would be deity. Mm. If Willow wants a better deity to assist her to her ends, she should call upon Eros, a.k.a. Mm. Cupid, according to the Romans. 
the playful yes. and youthful god of both love and gender fluidity. Wow. Keep up the great work. Love and queer witchcraft, Tasha. Chef's Thank you. Kiss. Tasha. Chef's kiss, Tasha. Thank you so much. And now, it is good. Without further ado, shall we shall we find out what Anya might do in the room of one spike? We shall. Hello, hello, and welcome to Buffering the Vampire Slayer, a podcast where we are watching and discussing every episode of Buffy the Vampire Slayer, one by one, spoiler-free, in tandem with those girls I would absolutely never stab with a curved knife, (laughs) Angel on top. How nice of you. I know! If only they would return the favor. I'm... Jenny Owen Youngs. And I am Kristen Russo. And this week we are here talking about season seven, episode eight of Buffy the Vampire Slayer, Sleeper. Stay tuned at the end of this podcast every other week for an original song written by Jenny, sometimes with the help of her friends, recapping the Buffy episode we are discussing. Wow. In that outlay, you are my friend. (laughs) You're like, oh, I just squeaked that right in there. Yeah, well, I guess look for uh, your look for your beef necklace in the mail. Uh, I took the uh, est ends. Mm. <laughs> it's too late to argue. So okay, uh, Sleeper was written by David Fury and Jane Espenson and directed by Alan J. Levi? Who? Question mark. Whoops. Uh, indeed. Oh. Wow. Uh, and it originally aired on. I know. Buckle up. November 19th, 2002. Storm clouds are gathering. Murders of crows (laughs) amass on rooftops. (laughs) I saw it and my eyes got real big. They did. I was like, oh shit. Deep in a haunted wood, inside a crumbling cabin, (laughs) or a bubbling cauldron, one alewife raises her head, stares directly into the camera, and says, something wicked this way comes, because Jenny Owen Youngs is turning 21 in three days. Holy shit. Three days after this episode. I've heard stories of Jenny Owen Youngs' 21st birthday. I've seen photographic proof. It was a wild time. I think I have a memory of like a tie, like an Avril Lavigne tie. No, 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 no. There's there's simply no reason to get into specifics. skirt, I think. Yeah. Away, woman. <laughs> away. Best friends. Mm-hmm. Speaking of crows, I know I'm supposed to give you the episode description right now, but I just want to let you know that I spoke to a friend of mine last night who is training the crows in her neighborhood to come by for snacks and treats in the hopes that they will begin to deliver her gifts. And it's like all I can think about. I'm so excited about it. And they've what kind of gifts is this person hoping for? Well from they crows? leave like shiny things, you know, like oh. coins or buttons or whatever. And that's like a sign that they 
are your friend and they like appreciate <gasps> what you do and I've seen I've seen a couple of things like this on the internet with people in the city will do this and like the crows will literally like come and leave them trinkets outside the window because they're like you are a friend uh wow yeah, I'm sure we have some like crowologists in the in the listenership and yes. they can correct any wrongs that I've said but I am just so excited about this situation. And I'm like, you don't understand. Like, can you install a webcam for me? Like, I don't even want photo updates. I want to just be able to watch live as the crow. 24-hour crow feed. She said one of the crow babies was, like, clicking at her the other day. <gasps> I know. Babies. Well, to our extensive Corvid expert listenership, please write in to bufferingthevampireslayer at gmail.com and tell us everything you know about crow's and their bird cousins and uh, the giving of shiny gifts. Thank you. The definition or the like demarcation of the kind of host I am and the kind of host you are is that I said crowologists and you used the word corvid. So correct. (laughs) Anyway, do you want to know what this episode's about? (laughs) Yeah. Which is this the one where? This is the one where Buffy and her friends fear Spike may be to blame when a number of people around town mysteriously disappear. Uh-uh. This previously on is like the polar opposite of the him previously on. It's like something big is coming. Girls are getting stabbed. Do you, you remember? remember those girls who got stabbed? <laughs> yeah, do you remember that? They were roommates. Uh, Dawn saw Joyce and Joyce said, when it gets bad, Buffy won't choose you. Cassie and Willow, Spike biting Justine Jr., FBYID, mm-hmm. Spike sired Holden Webster. Mm-hmm. <gasps> And here we are at the top of the episode. Spike is canonically bisexual, right? Like, that's, that's like, canon at this point. We can't not say that it's not, right? Um, I'm calling it. Okay. The date, February 9th. I know it's weird because you're listening to this. You're like, it's not February 9th, but it's important to really note the facts. It is February 9th, 2022. Kristen Noreen Russo, uh, sitting in upstate New York, has declared it is canon. Spike, the vampire, is bisexual. Yes, I suppose we are the most qualified Mm -hmm. people Mm -hmm. to declare what is and is not canon on the show Buffy the Vampire Slayer. And if we need James to confirm that, I'm certain that he would. Mm. I am certain (laughs) that he would do that for us. Okay. Anyway, you're right. Good previously ons. You forgot to mention that Cassie swallowed herself again in the previously on. <laughs> <laughs> so we are, this is a direct, like direct from conversations with dead people. We did not miss a minute, not a beat. It's like a yeah. just right from conversations with dead people. Buffy ran to Xander's door and was like, yeah. Did you notice what appears to be maybe like some kind of skull mask yes. hanging to the right of Sanders' bedroom I did. door. I was what like, is that? No, it looked like a ghost face prop, but like not quite ghost face as a decoration. It was very yeah. weird. Yeah. An odd choice for Sunnydale, in my opinion. Yeah. Why bring that into your home when it's already <laughs> everywhere else? And everything else in the apartment is like blueprints, stencils to draw blueprints with. Tools. tools. Like, yeah. Xander's little home bar. Yeah, the tiki bar. He's like, my apartment has three rooms, and one of them is the sort of, like, kitchen, and then one of them is, like, a living room where stuff happens, but there's a bar. The kitchen, I can see the kitchen from the bar, but it's important for there to be a bar. It's like, you can sit on the couch in the living room and look at the bar. Mm -hmm where there are seats, and you can stand in the kitchen and look at the bar where there are drinks. It just seems Mm -hmm. possibly Mm -hmm. like 
Xander has made a very specific choice about what he's doing with his space. <laughs> well, and one of those things is hanging a ghoul from in between the two doors. Yeah. Maybe it's to scare Spike, just in case Spike gets a little frisky, you know, comes out in the middle of the night and he's like, ah. And then Xander's yeah, like, yeah. oh, Spike's awake. Better be on guard or ready to kiss. <laughs> uh-huh. I don't know how he's going to uh-huh, play that uh-huh. one, but... Uh, anyway, creature of the night. He's probably out creaturing. creaturing. Yeah, it's good. Uh, is he in trouble? Xander said. <gasps> and best friends. Yeah, best friends. He... He's not like, did he do something evil? He's like, is he in trouble? My <gasps> roommate. Yeah, I actually, I really like the way that Xander shows up in this episode for the most part. And seeing Xander be able to like do what Xander does in this episode just really makes me wonder why we can't have Xander do this in all the episodes, you know? Like, he's there to be, as he uses the word later, I think, objective, right? He He's he's trying to parse through the facts. Okay, fair, that's fair. But also, he is not being, like, all black and white. He's has some room for Spike in this. And I would prefer if he just was always written this way, you know? Yeah. Uh, meanwhile, while they're having this little conversation... What is Spike up to? What does creaturing entail? Tonight it entails digging a little grave in a dirt floor basement for Justine Jr. while humming a little song to himself. Southern California friends, do any of you have a dirt floor basement or a basement basement at all? all? Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. This, my suspension of disbelief bumped. Yeah, the, I mean, I actually forgot that Californians usually, at least Southern Californians, usually don't have basements or they're not as common. But Buffy does have one. So we're not saying you can't have a basement. We had a basement, kind but of. But a dirt floor? But a dirt, a dirt floor, floor is, yeah. How does that even work? Can ana- critters just crawl up through the dirt into your house? Like, I don't like it. But, you know, if you're a dirt floor expert, <laughs> just let us know. Yeah. <laughs> Dirt florologists, please write in to bufferingthevampiresgmail.com. This is um this is nice. I I I think the timing, like, we don't talk a lot about editors. And obviously the director has a lot to do with this as well, but like the directing and editing in this scene, I think is just really nice because it's nice and long, you know? Like it's not just like a couple yeah. of scoops. You really get time with the humming. A couple of scoops. Oh, of the shovel. Of- I thought yeah, I was like picturing ice cream and I was like interesting <laughs> visual represent. Okay. No, a couple of scoops of dirt. You get you get to really like sit in the moment and like feel it. And I like that they do that because it changes it from just like, "Uh-oh, Spike is burying somebody." It's like <laughs> it gets really a lot more haunting because of the length of it. Yeah, cuz yeah, it's so casual. Mm-hmm. Uh we get the credits and then Kristen, we get I think my favorite <laughs> B-roll I've ever seen. What is this grainy ass nonsense like the wb couldn't afford a high resolution did somebody take this on their their camcorder like Like, what it what legit this was like somebody's knees they were like god tony tony since you're gonna be in this episode could you go down to the street and just take some vhs footage really quick for us we just need a little establishing shot or are they like you know how in some shows, okay, like in Veronica Mars, like a certain era of flashback is like very bluey. Mm-hmm, right. You know, um, they kind of like color code filter stuff. Yeah. 
uh, maybe it's like, ah, jolly old England, where the video resolution is lower, actually. That would track, if anything else that was shot in London had that effect, (laughs) but it's only this establishing shot. It's really bad. (laughs) But (laughs) what's good is that we see London on the bottom of the TV, and I was like, yeah! Uh, because we haven't been to London in a minute. We've been missing old Daddy Giles, haven't we? Old Daddy Giles. Listen, okay, we only. I'm, I've been doing this podcast for almost six years. I'm letting it loose. That's it. It's old over. Daddy Giles. <laughs> uh, so yeah, I mean, we don't get to see Giles quite yet. Um, but someone who we can later assume is his colleague, mm-hmm. Robson. Uh, is coming home and oh no you you know that feeling mm. when you've come home from a long day mm. and it's like really grainy outside <laughs> and like you've just really had it and then oh god there is a girl stabbed on your floor also yeah but then this you have just, the wherewithal uh, to use your briefcase as a shield very cool Hot move Robson. good job man that was good you could see why he and giles are buddies oh yeah i think there's a little kissing happening between them. little quote sparring little sword play happening in little the- buffy and faith oh yeah we should do some more training <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's just my hunch based on we'll talk about the, the last scene but i feel like you know there's a little smooching happening between those two um, Ghostface, this Ghostface guy, he's quick. He's way less clumsy than the actual Ghostface. He gets around the whole wall and has the full curved knife in Robson's back before Robson can even like get his hand on the sword. Real quick, our Ghostface, our Scream Ghostface, would have tripped a few times. He would have knocked over a vase. He would have, you know, <laughs> whoop, 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 yeah. <laughs> This guy's fast. Slipped in a slip, like done the thing where he's like running in place in a puddle of blood, and that that like percussion instrument is going like before he can start moving forward again. His mask is crooked. You gotta fix it. Yeah, you know. Yeah. Um. But yeah, Robson's stabbed in the back. Nora face down in a pool of her own blood. Um, and then we cut to the Summers house where now Willow, continuity-wise, has run from the library and is busts in the door, calls for Buffy, is so focused on, like, I gotta find Buffy that she doesn't even look over to see the situation in this house until Dawn says she is not here. In the sobering light of day, Ooh. this house looks even Ooh. worse than it looked in the last episode. <laughs> it's done. This wh- is such a brutal decimation of the Summers household. It is, and I will say that it's done. Like uh, what I'm about to say is an undercut to the set. Okay, but I think it's done very well. I think, like, unless you're Kristen Russo, like combing through the particulars because you make a podcast about it, it's done great. There's glass on the couch. Everything's everywhere. But when I was watching it closely, I noticed there was just a bunch of crumpled up newspaper on the table. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> so where did that come from? Was the poltergeist from- just like balling up? <laughs> yeah, it was getting getting ready to do some paper mache yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh okay so they have this exchange you know dawn is like i saw mom and willow's like it probably wasn't her i saw something too uh willow says this is so interesting it looked like someone else dawn knows cassie i know do you think i mean it does say cassie yeah it doesn't look intentional on on willow's part that she's not saying cassie but who knows at this point? I don't even know if anyone on the show remembers who knows who. Uh, you know, like, does Willow even remember that Don knows Cassie? Who's to say? 
Yeah. So she's like, it's the big bat. She's basically like telling Dawn that she doesn't think it was really Joyce. That like this thing happened to her and it probably mm-hmm. also happened to Dawn. And then she says it's the big bad. We don't often hear our characters refer in universe to big bads. I always like when that happens. Um, the one we know is coming. Oh, Jenny, you look like you don't like when that's. I don't like it. It really clanked for me here and in a little bit yeah. from Willow again. It just felt a little like plonk. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, uh, and Dawn is like. <laughs> Dawn. <laughs> Dawn. Dawn does some things that I, that I really love. She's just like so emotionally distraught because it's like. She she has two choices. One is to believe it was really her mom, which means that her sister will betray her. I mean, I guess the word wasn't betray, but like the, that her sister won't help her. Or she has to believe that like it wasn't her mom and that Buffy won't. I know. And it's and you can see her. She just like waffles back and forth with this through the whole episode. She does. But lucky us that she does, because this is the first instance of something that truly delights me when she's like, oh, mom said things were coming and also uh that she uh loved us she said that she loved us to which i say smooth don parader don what do you think parader. nice that's okay. right i'll approve it i'll allow it she's a smooth don parader <laughs> so we go over to xander's and there's a conversation now happening between buffy and xander where she has, you know, told Xander what happened and that Spike has sired somebody or allegedly according to this vampire, but maybe not. Maybe it's a lie. And <laughs> Xander's like, why would somebody lie about who sired them? Do you think it's like a competition? Like a <laughs> whose sire is better than whose other sire? Um, and then they're sort of trying to think this through. And this is what I was saying before. Like, I like how Xander shows up here. Even when he says, like, they're talking about the chip and Buffy's like, Spike can't hurt anyone. And Xander says, it didn't stop him from hurting you. But, like, we've seen Xander deliver these kinds of lines in ways that make me want to fucking slap him across the face. And he does not do that here. Like, he really is just saying, like, okay, but, like, he hurt you, so that's, like, a fact we should have on the table. He's not doing it smarmily or judgily or, like, shittily, you know? It's interesting that nobody brings up the fact that... Spike has said as much like that his chip stopped working with Buffy, but it was still working with everyone else. That's like something that's already been established, which I I could see like questioning that after the fact, but it looks like they they don't even remember that that's a thing. Oh, is that I just because of this scene, I was like literally wondering, like, why did Buffy not tell anybody? I know at first she wasn't. Don't you remember like. Her having an exchange with Spike where he was like, you came back wrong. Yeah, but did, but then she hid that from all the Scoobies because she was uh, like terrified of what she was and the way that she had come back. And so I'm not. Well, why doesn't she bring that up here? Because well, did she because me, that, that, so that was my question is, is she right, still right. feeling shame about this? Because it feels like she's like moved past the I came back wrong at all. So. If, if it hasn't been, and I'm sorry to those of you listening, because we should probably know, but I don't think that they that she's told them this. And at this point, she definitely should. Like, this is the moment when she needs to be like, so funny thing. 
like especially even if not now then like at by the end of this episode where they're bringing him back into the house and she's like i'm gonna get close to spike so that i can get close to this evil like that's when you say like oh so just so you guys know like he can hurt like uh none of you but me he can actually he can hurt me but i think they can safely assume i think they are already aware that he can hurt her because of the assault last season it was just like wasn't a conversation. It was just like they maybe it wasn't a conversation we saw. Mm-hmm. Okay, you know, all right. Because it seems like it seems like this conversation that Xander and Buffy are having, they are acknowledging, sort of that that, that, that like this is fact that that Spike can hurt Buffy without neurological distress, but that he appears to experience neurological distress when he hurts other humans. Right. Because they're wondering, oh, is it? You know, is he faking it? What's going on? Right. I, I like so wanted when he punches Xander later. I was like, I wish I could call the Scoobies and be like, guys, he's not faking it because I saw him do it. Nobody was there to see him do it. <laughs> <laughs> like, I can't, I really want to bear witness for them. Like, guys, no one was watching, but he definitely got affected. <laughs> <laughs> um. Anyway, so, right. Uh, Buffy is like. I really think he's different, but if this is an act, like if he's been acting this whole time, then the Oscar goes to old Enter Spike. Spike. <laughs> oh, hello, Spike, a person we know who we were totally not just talking about right now. Welcome. <sighs> I'm just here at 430 for no particular reason. This choice to like have Buffy dangle the carrot of saying Holden Webster's name is so funny to me. Like, what do you think happens when Spike bites somebody? Like, do you think that they've been like, hey, bud, my name's Spike. I mean, I guess Holden knew Spike's name. So like, what happened there? (laughs) Does Spike, I mean, he doesn't remember, obviously, at this point, but like, does he get the names of the people that he bites? It doesn't seem like he does. So it just was funny that Buffy was like, well, I met a vampire I knew, and his name was Holden, <laughs> Holden. Webster. Pause. Holden, pause, Holden <laughs> Webster. Xander clearly idolized this guy in high school because he refers to him as Webs, which is what Holden said people <laughs> used to refer to him as. Xander's like, you see how he was when you mentioned Webs? <laughs> Stop it, man. Stop it. <laughs> Play the patriarchy jingle for these two fuckers. The patriarchy! Why? I don't know, dude. Dudes being... Guys being guys. Dudes being dudes. Being like, oh, yeah, you should have seen Webbs the other night, man. Yeah, Webbs, she's so good at Taekwondo. No. (laughs) Oh, Xander got on the swim team, man. Oh, yeah. We should go out for some drinks at the bronze, bro. (laughs) Can I wear your Letterman jacket, man? Like, that's why I played the patriarchy jingle, Jenny. Is that good enough reason? I (laughs) Follow your heart. Uh, I do like seeing Spike so sensitive here. Um, You know, Mm -hmm. his immediate go-to response is to be like, oh, man, that must have been really tough. Yeah. Yeah, he does. I mean, James does a really good job here of not knowing, you know, of like of like truly showing us that Spike has no idea what's happening. And we learn that like literally through this episode, but you can see it in everything he does, even in these few yep. lines that he has. So, yep, yep. yep. 
Buffy's like, well, somebody needs to watch him. And Xander's like. We're going to need a babysitter. Dude, I can't. I have work. I have a big client meeting I got to go to. (laughs) So who do they, who's always called for babysitting duty? Of course. Well, it's Anya who is not having it now that she's here in the apartment and has discovered why they want her to babysit. Uh, on account of the possible murders. Yeah, her entry, her, like, the edit here is great. It's just like, uh-uh, forget it, Harris. Just like her face in the screen. It's so funny. Emma <laughs> Caulfield is fantastic in this episode. <laughs> She's going. I love, I love, I love her immediate, like, well, have you searched his room for clues? Oh he might God. have some scalps or necklaces made of human teeth. Killers she like goes, to keep trophies sometimes, did you know? Yeah, she's like, I will sit here and listen to my murder podcasts whilst I wait for Spike to awaken. She's reading a magazine that I did not like rewind to get a closer look at, but it does say sex in giant letters on the cover. Good, good. Yeah. So Xander's like, you'll be safe here as he's opening the blinds. There's plenty of sunlight you can hide in. <laughs> also, like, come on, why are we playing at the fact that Anya couldn't? I mean, if I guess like there is a risk to Anya, but it's not like she's just any old human in this house. She's fucking Anya Jenkins, you know? It's true. She can, she is. She can hold her own. She knows how to fight. She just fought off a demon like two episodes ago. So then my favorite, I think, moment in the whole episode is when Xander's leaving for work right after he's like you'll be safe just hide in the sunlight and she's like if I get vamped I'm gonna bite your ass and he goes wouldn't be the first time and she's like what did you say and the look on his face (laughs) is so good and I love that Anya loves butts for Anya. Yes, good for Anya. Bite all the butts that you want to, Anya, with consent. <laughs> uh, back at the Summer's house, Buffy is the latest individual who's getting two eyefuls of this friggin' destroyed house. Oh, God. Yeah, Willow, the thing that's been promising to devour us, I think it started chomping. Yeah, clonk, clank, You clank. hate chomping? Uh, okay, the big bad I the big bad I have room for as a as a clank. Uh chomping is my favorite, mostly because Latoya says it all the time and I love the word chomping. Yeah, and if Latoya was in this episode saying chomping, I would love it. But it's such a willowism. Willow would say chomping. That's some that's some willow shit. Come on. I don't know. I don't know. All right. Well, I'm going I'm firmly planting my approval on chomping. I have okay. I have wiggle room on big bad. So Willow is telling Buffy that, like, this thing happened to the library and it said it was Tara. It knew so much about, like, so many things. And Dawn saw your mother. This is a very weird cut because it, like, cuts back to Buffy and it's almost like we missed her response. But she's, like, very blank. Like, that makes sense. But it's just, like, a weird moment where you expect to see her hear what Willow said, but she doesn't. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's funny. Yeah. Um... And so this gets her. (laughs) Yeah, because because uh, Willow's like, you know, this thing had me for a while. The lies were very convincing. And Buffy is immediately like, lies, you say. Lies. How interesting. Yeah, she's hopeful. I mean, we're all hopeful, right? Like, I understand. I would be hopeful, too. Nobody wants to think that, like, Spike is killing people. That's. Yeah, no bad news and like 
just macro for a second, but Buffy's ability to, and we'll get more into it when we get to the dirt floor basement scene, but like her ability to like sort of walk this line of, of, I think that this evil is fucking with me by making me think that Spike is going to hurt me is really commendable. I think it's like really incredible the way that she walks that because uh, that's just something where like, I mean, God, somebody could like doubt my sincerity on something I said and I can get in my head about it, let alone like whether or not someone might be out to murder me or not. Like just the <laughs> fact that she can like really hold her own because the, it seems like the this evil's biggest move is like just gaslighting people, you know, just like making them doubt what they believe to be true. And the, and like un, from beneath you, it devours. I mean, that's kind of the whole thing, right? Like, sorry, Kristen, you you said a phrase, but I'm I didn't sorry. understand it. What I meant it. to say was uh, F-B-Y-I-D. Thank you. <laughs> okay. Woo. <laughs> Today's episode is brought to you by Regal Cinemas. If you're anything like me, you deeply enjoy going to the movies. Going to the movies is probably among my top three all-time activities. I love seeing films on the big screen. I also love being around other people who are watching the same movie with me at the same time. And of course, I love eating giant buckets of popcorn. If you feel the same and you like going to the theater, Regal Unlimited is something that just makes sense. Regal Unlimited is the all-you-can-watch movie subscription pass. It pays for itself in two movie visits. You can see any standard 2D movie anytime, no blackout dates, no restrictions. When you want to watch a movie in 4DX or IMAX or RPX or ScreenX, there's so many ways to watch movies these days, your Regal Unlimited membership gets you into those premium experiences at a reduced cost. And with Regal Unlimited, you don't only save money on the tickets, you will also save on your snacks. And as previously mentioned, I love snacks. The only thing that can make me love a snack more is saving money on buying a snack. Members get 10% off of all non-alcoholic concession items with membership. Regal Unlimited, all you can watch movie subscription pass. It pays for itself in two visits. So if you're planning to see two movies this month, join Regal Unlimited and sign up now. You can sign up in the Regal app or on regmovies.com slash unlimited. Sign up for Regal Unlimited using code buffering and earn 10% off your three-month subscription. Please let us know about all of the movies you see and how the popcorn is. Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Martha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz. And how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts. So anyway, Buffy's basically like, if this is happening, if this is like really happening, I need to see it for myself. 
Meanwhile. Yep. Yep. Meanwhile. (laughs) Yeah. Sitting in the angel lighting of what is now Xander's apartment. Mm -hmm. Anya, for some reason, absolutely terrified, but also is like, why don't I sneak into the room with no windows Mm -hmm. and poke around while Spike is sleeping there in that room looking for clues sleeping exactly like angelus and angel sleep all vampires <laughs> sleep with no clothes on chest uh-huh. bared sheets rolled just above their groin area just yeah yeah <laughs> all bits exposed that are suitable for television that is how the way vampires sleep the good lord intended um yeah i mean this checks for me with anya like it's like as scared as she is she just you know she needs to know she needs to know and she also like even later when she's like that computer is a moron like she just really believes that like she can figure it the fuck out just give her some time and Uh so this is her being that you know she's like i'm scared but like these fuckers will take three episodes to sort this shit i'm just gonna go in right now and save us some time Spike wakes up because, of course, he does. Oh, my God. But don't worry. She's got a perfectly reasonable explanation for why she's here. Do be specific and tell a fella just exactly what you're doing here. Well, Spike. I'm here, obviously, for, um... Sex. Uh, beg pardon? You and me. Here and now. Let's go. Let's get it on, you big bad boy. Let's get it on, you big bad boy. This is Emma Caulfield's wheelhouse. Like Emma Caulfield being able to give us comedy in an awkward scenario, especially when it's related to sex of any kind, is just a joy, a treat. Yes. I am here, of course, obviously, for uh, the uh, sex. I'm here for the sex, and I've got this steak in my hand. Of course I'm here for sex. It's not like I'm snooping around looking for proof that you're a serial killer. Why did I even say that? It's nerves and horniness. Nerves and horniness. When Spike is like, is that a steak? And she goes, yeah, kinky. And then just throws it across the room. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, God bless it, Emma Caulfield. No talking, no questions. Her, like, finger on his fucking lips. It's so good. Physical comedy, timing, all of it. Just standing ovation. Until, of course, then she gets a little fat shamey here. <laughs> but apart from the fat shaming, this pivot is you, could, you can't get more Anya than this shit, right? Like she's in there because she's trying to find clues. Her cover is that she wants to have sex with Spike. Spike is like, I can't. I can't do that. And then she, everything goes out the fucking window. And she's like, why the fuck not? What the fuck is wrong with me? You don't like my haircut. <laughs> Uh-huh. It, yeah. This is because yeah. of your soul, isn't it? If you didn't have a soul, you'd have me upside down and halfway to Happy Town by now. Like... So bummed that this man she was convinced is a serial killer <laughs> minutes ago isn't banging her in half. 
Oh, so. Anya Anya retires to the living room where she's chilling. What is her pretense for hanging around her ex-fiance's apartment into the night? Yeah, I like, I actually thought that when Spike came out, he was going to be like, why are you still, like, what are you doing here still? But apparently he's fine with whatever's happening between Anya and Xander that would have her just chilling in with a magazine. Sure. Um, but it's, it's not, so it's nighttime now. I'm so confused. So she's been there all day, all day. And, and so she did last for a while before she went in for the sneak attack. Yeah. It looked like it was like late afternoon. The sun looked like it was late afternoon by the time she went poking around. Okay. All right. And then obviously the sun is down by the time he's, he's getting up to go out and he leaves and Anya calls Buffy and lets her know now downtown Sunnydale Never before have this many people amassed in the streets of downtown Sunnydale before. They are wall to fucking wall. There are so many people and they're so close together and they're all walking in in wild crisscrosses. I don't think I've ever seen this many people on this show. Like ever. The amount of extras is wild. For what? Like, I mean, like, it's fine. It's good. But it just seems like so much money to spend when I have to imagine there was an easier way to do this. (laughs) No, you don't understand. Buffy needed like a real insurmountable obstacle that would prevent her from catching up with Spike and his prey. I would have preferred if she was tracking Spike, but then Angel had popped down to like get a new leather coat at the mall and she had like bumped into Angel. It was like, <laughs> oh, it's so so funny meeting you here, but I'm just kind of busy right now. That would have been my preferred <laughs> distraction. Uh, yes, I also uh, posited that the man on harmonica is the same guy who was like, my toys. He looks like that guy. Oh, yeah. oh, the harmonicist. The harmonicist. Yeah, because he died. Right. That guy died. Oh, yes, he died. Yeah. <laughs> well, so I so I thought like, well, this evil thing seems to be taking all these shapes of different people oh. who are dead. So maybe he was having a good chuckle with himself. And he was like, let me be that toys guy for a second. He was wild. <laughs> what a hoot. Um, so this is when uh, you really get to see how women behave um, when a hot man approaches them randomly (laughs) at a mall. (laughs) Yeah, this is very realistic, right? (laughs) A hot guy comes up to you and you're like, let us please retire to an alley at once where I can say, are you a bad boy? Because I don't mind. What kind of a name is Spike? Oh, my God. Uh, I was so bored in that line. I hate waiting. What is happening? Have you ever used any of these lines (laughs) with someone you were interested in uh, canoodling? I mean, listen, if I had, I wouldn't admit it here on a live podcast, but no. (laughs) Women of our listenership. Do you hate waiting? And then it's like, then it's, <laughs> then it's we like, we want to hear your story. And like, listen, no one here is, no one here is opposed to like t- talking dirty during sexual encounters. But this lady was with her friends at the mall <laughs> and this random guy just walked up to her. They went to this alley. She jumped right there. She there wasn't even a minute. What if- they didn't even, they hadn't even kissed yet. Nothing had happened. <laughs> What if, what if this woman has um, a rare 
speech affect where everything she says <laughs> is said in that voice. She's like, hello and welcome to Buffering the Vampire Slayer. Oh my God. A she podcast? goes to the grocery store and she's like, can you tell me where the milk is? <laughs> Oh, God. It's just so, and like, as if it was not over the top enough, then evil Buffy, we learn later, rolls up and is like, you know you want it. You know I want you to. And I'm like, what are we watching? To those of you who were 13 years old watching with your parents, I am so sorry that you had to experience this. To me, this is worse than them fucking the house down. This is worse. This is more uncomfortable for me. <laughs> it's not good. It's not good. Oh, my God. And then, sorry, I promise that I, I've, apparently it's working for us because even though we're saying we hate it, we're talking about it for so long. But like, <laughs> <laughs> he bites her and then evil Buffy is like, there's my guy. It's like this oh, little yeah! mini porno in the at the heart of this episode. Just this teeny little porn. Uh, I... I can't even put my stamp on it. I can't. The the girl uh, the girl delivering these fucking lines, man. Oh God, I'd love to talk to her. If anybody knows how to reach her, please. I, I wanna. I just wanna. I wanna hear from her. All Are the- you that girl who hates waiting <laughs> on that line? Oh Were you so bored? <laughs> Call us one eight hundred. I hate waiting. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> uh. uh. Anyway, then Buffy is like, doesn't matter if you're Buffy or Spike. Right? Wow. Yes. Correct. <laughs> Correct. Uh, invisible Buffy. Poof. Invisible Spike. Here. How could you use a poor maiden so? Invisible this, whatever Spike this asks. evil motherfucker is, is so dramatic. Like the most <laughs> yeah. dramatic evil motherfucker. Just like doing all of these unnecessary things. No one is watching you except for the audience at home. Nobody. Nobody's there. <laughs> You're just. <laughs> You're just switching uh, back and forth, having a grand oh, old fucking time. Sorry. Did we say that Spike bites this woman and yeah. then kind of comes out of it and then runs away horrified? Leaving this woman here in this alley. Although from events later in the episode, it seems like maybe she wasn't left here in the cell. Does he go back? Does he circle back? Whoa. Right. He's What's like happening? because he's siring all of them, it would seem. So, yeah, yeah it's a whole. It's, listen, we're not here. I guess we are here to nitpick, but it's like it's fine. Yeah. It's just it doesn't. There's a lot about this that doesn't make a ton of sense. Um, <laughs> starting with the dirt floor in the basement. That's when everything went off the rails, really. Um. Anyway, we go to Spike's room. (laughs) This is another great cut. Another great, just like Spike flying off the bed. Buffy has walked into his room and shoved him entirely across it. (laughs) It's funny. Sound the alarms. Spike was sleeping in a pair of leather pants. Oh, my God. Shirtless and leather pants. Spike's other pajama outfit. (laughs) Oh, I didn't notice that, but that's great. That's great. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. Buffy's like, did you kill her? He's like, what the fuck are you talking about? The topic of the chip comes up, which leads him to be like, you think that this is the fucking chip? Like, I am trying to tell you I am tortured every minute of every day by all of the people that I killed. 
what in God's name would make you think that I'm killing people? Again, great performance by James Marsters because I believe him. doing great. I totally believe him. Mm-hmm. You'd think that Buffy never knew a vampire with a soul before <laughs> and how tortured they are. She should write a book after this is all over. <laughs> Loving Vampires with Souls by Buffy Summers. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh. No, she, she would do a pun title. She would be like... <laughs> soul partner or like soul mate soul, soul partner yeah. Jennifer <laughs> yeah. sorry my head started at soul lover and I was like that's not quite right <laughs> yeah soul uh, mate oh my god soul mate it would be soul mate it would be like a punny title soul mate loving loving the vampire you shouldn't love or whatever and then Ooh, yes there would be there'd be like you know a whole bunch of stuff on angel on a whole bunch of stuff on spike and then there'd be like a teeny chapter at the back where it was like soulmate but it was spelled s-o-l-e and it was just a little riley blurb because he took off her boot <laughs> <laughs> wow thank you mm-hmm. thank you for including my boy <laughs> <laughs> So uh. Spike is feeling, and I, I also think that this is really well done because it's like Spike is feeling, he's starting to realize that as Buffy's asking him questions that he actually doesn't have the answers. And the fact that he doesn't have the mm-hmm. answers is making him start to panic. The first sign of this panic is like, so you're you're jealous. Like that's what's happening. Cause he's just like trying to, I think he's trying to like sort through what the fuck is actually happening and like not let on to Buffy. This is a, classic spike distraction technique it works pretty well for a minute um but then he gets very real very fast he puts on that william hat (sighs) and he's just like listen i like if you think like as as absolutely daft he says as me with a soul killing people is it's even more daft to think that i would ever be able to think of any other girl oh yeah it's very nice it really is because i mean there's a lot of complicated things about this dynamic of course but i don't think it's super often when you see a character who's really in love with another character be honest about that and then there be room for conversation about that like buffy has been really clear about the fact that she is not in love with spike that she doesn't love spike and spike knows that but they're still able to sort of like occupy this space where she's not being an asshole to him and he's not being an asshole to her and it's just the reality and it's hard for both of them what's nice i mean it's not nice for either of them but it's nice to see (laughs) it's nice for us yeah uh he tells buffy you know the chip they did to me i couldn't help it but the soul i got on my own for you and she is like yeah I I know. And then she tells him about Holden, Holden Webster, and uh, that he was sired. He said that he told Buffy that he was sired by Spike, right? Uh, And then she's like, by the way, you didn't look lonely or casual last night. You looked like you were on the prowl, right? And that's that's when he sort of starts to say, like, you know, that uh that he doesn't remember and every night bleeds together and he's like kind of confused yeah but he does say like the taste of human blood now that i would remember Mm -hmm. 
And then he's like, you don't have any proof that I've done this. And she's like, well, then I'm going to get some. And we get this like beat of him just standing in the room looking like, oh, fuck, like something bad is happening. And I didn't realize it till right this moment. So he's on like, you know, emergency cleanup. Like I need to figure out what the fuck I've done before they find out Mm -hmm. what the fuck I've done. Not necessarily to hide it, but just like you don't want to not know what you've done. And then everyone else finds out first because they maybe they'll kill you then yeah it's bad in the summer's uh dining room uh rest in peace to the dining room table that has been replaced by two square tables because everything (laughs) is just destroyed um and this is another dawn like but but what we were told wasn't true right so like maybe spike the spike thing isn't true too because it's not true it's definitely not true everything we heard it's not true right and willow makes the great point that just because something evil said it doesn't mean it was a lie (laughs) anya backing that shit up when i was evil (laughs) i told the truth a lot all the time Uh, they do a little web search and they discover that there are 10 missing persons in Sunnydale, mostly female and young. And then Dawn is like, so it's true. What the vampire told Buffy turned out to be true. And then on her face, it's mm-hmm. like, so then what my mom told me is also true. Smooth operator. I just don't. I really thought you would get more joy out of my sm- <laughs> smooth operator. Listen, sometimes sometimes things are a little like worm, you know, it's like a little worm. It's just crawling in right now. And you'll think like, oh, that didn't really have an impact on Kristen. And then I'll be singing it for like the next five episodes. So just great. Okay, great. I love when Dawn is doing something inside of her head, but it is very plain on her face. And we're all like, Dawn. Anytime, anytime Dawn is doing anything in her head, it is very plain on her face. (laughs) Yeah, it's good. Yeah. Oh, Don. Uh-oh. Spike's starting to remember what happened, and it's worse than he thought. Justine Jr. <laughs> oh, no. He's remembering. He's remembering. He's remembering. He goes to the doors. Andrew's like, no, 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 bud. You're not going out. Buffy was very clear about the you not going out. Uh, and then Spike is like, actually, I am. And punches Xander, blam, in the nose, knocks him unconscious, and leaves. The guitar, sweet guitar sounds of Amy Mann are playing over the Uh, end of this scene. Here they come. Uh, And as we go to the bronze. Now, tell me you're a lesbian in the year 2002 without telling me you're a lesbian. How do you do that? How would you do that? Mm, Well... I'm not sure. Do you have any suggestions? Well, I would personally take like sort of a lightly clown themed coat that was oversized and I would put it on. I would put a tie. Wow. Listen, Amy Mann, first of all, is not a lesbian. And second of all, bless her soul. But this is a fucking look that will be burned into my mind forever. And it's like, is an aggressive blazer print. Very aggressive. It. I think that it affects me so much because it's like... If you took outfits that I wore in the early 2000s and just like cranked up the volume, like it, it, they would wind up like this. So it's like my own shame of things that I wore <laughs> just <laughs> just amplified with this outfit. Look, we all had a lot of blazers in 2002. Dress okay? shoes with jeans. Dress shoes with jeans. I did it. Some of you listening did it. We did it. Okay. We can't take we, it back We all now. did it. In 2002, I was like, Amy Mann is the coolest looking person Mm -hmm. of all time. There just wasn't a lot available in 2002, clothing wise. (laughs) 
Uh, there were there were very few options in you know a lot of different lanes. So I mean, this is a huge deal. Like we had Angie Hart at the Bronze last week. The, like Angie Hart at the Bronze, uh, the Breeders at the Bronze, Amy Mann mm-hmm. at the Bronze. This is like getting peach yeah. pit level. With the yeah, and they still here. can't. For some reason, the promoter at the Bronze can't fill the fucking room still, <laughs> even with Amy Mann. Well, I mean, we talked about the population issues of Sunnydale last week. So, but well, they're not in the show because they're all in the streets. Well, that's true. <laughs> they're all waiting in a line outside, hoping that a hot Billy Idol type will oh, come God. up and chat them up. Uh, so Amy Mann is singing, and Detective Spike is doing the rounds. Yeah, he's like, "Hello." Have you seen Justine <laughs> Justine Jr.? I mean, what's we were together? I, I love your Justine Jr. joke, and I appreciate it every time it surfaces. But what's really ridiculous is he's like, have you seen a blonde woman? Like, <laughs> yeah. like no, like, no, there's the bartenders like drawing a glass looking at him like, <laughs> yeah. dude, literally everyone in here is a blonde woman. I don't know what yeah. to tell you. <laughs> Um, so there's a brief um, Buffy and Xander on the phone where Xander is like he knocked me out and Buffy's like oh fuck we go back to the bronze Spike Spike who we learn takes two steps at a time of course he does that makes sense that's a nice. good character choice yeah. um, he goes up to the bal- nothing good ever why do people go up there has anything no, good ever happened away on away from the fu- balcony, no, I say. don't fucking go up there. Take it down. De- the people at the bronze should take the balcony down. They don't need it. If they took the balcony down, then the dance floor would be more crowded, which is what you want at a show like this, you know? Yes. Get rid of the balcony. So, Charlotte. Charlotte. Charlotte, uh, played by Robin Lee, who I looked up uh, what else uh, Robin Lee was in, and she's been in several things, but the one that really jumped out at me, especially given this scene, is that she is in... Bo- Bo- How many Fifty Shades movies are there? Two? Three? There's three. Okay, well, I know she's in at least two. I don't, I've don't. <gasps> i never read Fifty Shades, Which... n- nor have I watched it. She plays somebody named Roz with an S, R-O-S. <gasps> Robin Lee and I have a shared credit. Oh, Robin Lee was in the third installment of the Fifty Shades trilogy, Fifty Shades Freed, and I co-wrote a song that appeared in the movie. We both appeared in the movie in our own ways. Wow. That's fun. I'm so glad that I jotted down that she was in the Fifty Shades movie. Incredible. (laughs) I wish I could remember her, but as soon as I finished watching that movie, every detail of it... um, slid from my mind well she's got a very similar affect to her voice as the lady from the alley uh in this scene where she's like (laughs) hi just why why are we doing this everyone what is happening and (laughs) i mean i think it might be spike (laughs) she's every woman who gets near a spike is just like hello (laughs) she says should I slip into something more comfortable? And then goes into vamp face, to which I have to ask, is it more comfortable? Uh, pro- probably for a vampire. You think you think that like when they're out of vamp face, it's like a strain? Like like they're na- is their natural state vamp face? And they're like fighting against vamp face on a like low level when they don't have it? Maybe not fighting, but, but... like But then when they fell asleep, wouldn't they go into vamp face? Because if that's the <sighs> Listen. I don't know. Okay. I simply don't know. Somebody out there is going to know or think they know or tell us that they have an yep. idea. And I will love it. Yep. 
Yes. She's like, you didn't seem so shy when you were biting me. <laughs> bum, bum, bum. <laughs> what? <laughs> and then thinking he's just uh, afraid of commitment, she's like, I'm not asking if you want to be soulmates. I just want to like have a good time. She's like, soulmates. Have you heard of the book by Buffy Summers? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, they start fighting, and um, two things about this. Oh, God. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so one thing one thing is that Charlotte says, so that's all I was to you, a one-bite stand. It's like, literally, I feel like if the director could have put in somebody at the drum set downstairs, uh, Amy Mann's <laughs> yeah. drummer, being like, da-da-da-da. He would have like he will. The way the joke is framed is hilarious. But there's no time because the, the drummer is busy playing the song. Everyone's busy playing the song. You know, classic bar fight music. Amy Mann. <laughs> this is exactly the kind of music you want soundtracking your violence. Oh, They're doing a lot with like big zooms and swoops and pans, mm-hmm. trying to like blend the. Uh, fight for for survival yeah. with the song Pavlov's Bell by Amy Mann. <laughs> they do a great job. However, I would posit that it would have been a lot sicker if Limp Biscuit was playing. Ooh, do you think they tried for Limp Biscuit first? <laughs> no, I I do not think so. I think uh I <laughs> I think there was probably not an appreciation for for uh the poet's soul of William Frederick Durst wow. in the uh the upper management of Buffy the Vampire Slayer. <laughs> uh one thing that I want to know before you get to your set, well maybe that was your second thing. I thought your second thing was going to be how they stop playing entirely when she like falls to dust at the bottom of the floor. Oh, go for it. But before before we get there, I just do want to point out that Charlotte says she looks at a couple down below and says, I take him, you take her or the other way around. First of all, bisexual spike. Thank you. Uh, and, and second of all, I take him, you take her is also something that Drusilla said to spike about a couple in an episode oh, a long, long time ago, which I should have written down, which was, but I didn't. But it is a direct like line. I have a feeling this is just something vampire couples say to each other all the time. Vampires love foursomes. It's their favorite. Yeah. And especially Charlotte. She's completely on board. Let me just slip into something more comfortable. (laughs) So, yeah. So anyway, Spike stakes Charlotte. And uh, (laughs) I laugh a lot in the silence that is Amy Mann pausing to be like, the fuck? <laughs> Later, Amy Mann will be the only musician on the show to yes. ever speak a line. What does she say, Jenny? Uh, man, I hate playing vampire towns. <laughs> Who wrote this episode? David Fury and Jane Espenson. I feel like these are not Jane Espenson quips. So I'm gonna i I'm gonna attribute these to David Fury. Yeah. Say that, aha. I think I, I think I see the shape of what David Fury likes in life. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> One bite stand. Oh, one bite stand. It's like that. That's a joke that could really be law. Like it could be really stupid. It is really stupid, but it could like actually land stupid. But the way they do it, it's like when you know you're doing a stupid joke and you highlight the fact that it's stupid, it becomes funny. You know, (laughs) 
<laughs> it's sort of like how I hated Hawkeye for so long because I thought he was so boring. And then the television show Hawkeye was like, hey, here's Hawkeye. And guess what? He wants to be boring and he doesn't give a fuck what you think. And I was like, oh, fuck, I love Hawkeye. You know, you just got to like name it. You got to own it. <laughs> wow. You the first like three times you said Hawkeye, I thought you were saying hot guy. And I was like, which who is hot guy? <laughs> which hot guy? <laughs> um, no, Hawkeye. Indeed. Back to the mall. Um, the, I keep calling it the mall because it is a mall, but there's a nightclub in the mall, which feels very California to me, to be quite honest. Yeah, it's just like, I think they've shot a fair amount of outdoor mall stuff at the Promenade in Santa Monica. Yeah. and this, which, is, which is fair to call an outdoor mall. Yeah. And this didn't, I, I mean, I did not do a deep dig here at all, but it did say Santa Monica. So... Maybe. I don't know where we are. I think this is just a set mall because um, I I spied with my little eye the bulletin board from UC Sunnydale that sort of was the backdrop (laughs) to Faith and Buffy fighting. Oh, yeah. I noticed that, too, and was like, oh, wait, are we supposed to be close to the UCSD (laughs) campus? Does it abut this mall? (laughs) I think think they were just like, what could be at a mall? (laughs) Recycling. Yeah. Um, So Buffy describes... The bouncer, there's a bouncer at the thing who's like, hey, sweetheart, to Buffy, who's wearing a giant sized turtleneck, which d- just makes me die because. <laughs> oh, my God. Also, I forgot to point out before because I was so focused on the way that the girl in the alley gave us a little porno. But like everyone else at this mall was in coats and sweaters. And this girl was wearing a like crop. T- she was barely wearing a shirt. Um, so I just want to note that, that what temperature is it? Is it cold or is it warm? What's going on? Well, it's, it's fedora weather. It's blazer weather. It's crop top weather. <laughs> it's enormous turtleneck weather. Yeah. Um, I love this bouncer. Me too. I, I love that. I love that he starts with, with you can go in sweetheart. And I love that as soon as she's like sallow, but in a hot way, he's like, oh, I know who you mean. <laughs> yeah. Sallow, but in a hot way is a fantastic line. <laughs> <laughs> yes we get this very fun billy idol moment here where he's like billy idol looking guy and she's like actually billy idol stole his never mind um <laughs> it reminded me of uh jenny you and i have a shared friend uh, our friend allison who looked like shane from the l word before the l word was ever on television you know mm-hmm. she just mm-hmm. moved through space it had like full, like the Shane haircut, the Shane energy, the Shane clothing choices, like very Shane. And I felt so bad for Allison after still the L word, because like if we would go out to a bar or whatever, people would be like, oh, yeah, the one that looks just like Shane. And it sucked because uh, it's like it's like her look was then ingested by stolen was like ingested by other people as that she was trying to look like shane yeah which is like but really she was not to look like allison the vibe you want to get out yeah so uh spike had to carry that uh that weight with billy idol i suppose um anyway this bouncer is like every night he leaves with a different girl you probably don't want to like just le- let this guy go i love this bouncer i wish buffy would date the bouncer yes right He's, he's a nice super boy. Hot. He's a really nice guy. He's like, don't fuck around with this guy. He's like, he's not going to treat you right. And the only thing he doesn't say is, but I will. <laughs> but I feel it in my heart, you know? Yeah. Man, I hate playing Vampire Towns, Amy Mann says to her <laughs> band. 
there's one reason that it could never work between Buffy and the bouncer. Why? And that's that she has a type. She's looking for a soul mate. Okay. I'm picking up the shepherd's crook. I was really trying to be patient with you. I gave you a lot of leeway. I was <laughs> trying to help. So Spike is on. Is he on a payphone? I actually didn't even like note it, but like he's on a payphone, right? He's at like a bronze payphone. Yeah, I think he is. He's like he's probably called Buffy Collect. <laughs> Will you accept? I was wondering what it would cost to call a cell phone in 2002 from a payphone. Wait, why would it cost more to call a cell phone? I don't know. I don't think it would, Jenny. But I guess because if it was the same area code. Because back in 2002, it still mattered right, what, what area the area code, code was. Okay. No, good call. Good call. Um, Buffy Summers, will you accept a collect call from Spike? <laughs> <laughs> so he's like, it's me. I think I'm remembering. Meet me at 634 Hoffman Terrace. And then Spike, other Spike, evil Spike is there with not evil spike and he's like you're going against the plan but we can make it work <laughs> again drama you didn't even need to be there man you didn't even need to say that just go to the house if you're gonna be up yeah, to some that tom was, foolery, that was for us go to the house <laughs> so 634 hoffman avenue where we learned spike has killed the woman who lived there uh-oh yeah. And also has brought all of, well, a lot of his bodies. I don't understand what kind of cycle we're on here. Because, like, Charlotte was already out and uh, up and about. And so was fucking Holden. Holden. Holden Webster. (laughs) Yeah. I don't know. Maybe there's a thing with with dirt floor basements where if you you pack them all in at the same time. It's like hatching eggs. Yeah. (laughs) No. This, yeah, I don't know. So... Spike is like, it's down here. Come down here. And he's like acknowledging like, I've taken you to a random house and I'm asking you to come down to the basement. And you think I'm killing people. So like, I get it that you don't want to come down here. And then the fact that she ultimately does come down mm-hmm. is really something. The thing that gets me the most to this end of like, she does come down, but it's later when he cuts her with the glass that I think is the most powerful moment in this uh, episode between the two of them. Because... He has the glass in his hand and she does not like she does not move to defend herself. There is like you can tell that there is probably one half of one cell in her body that thinks he might hurt her. She like fully yeah. just stands there. And the look on her face when he does that is just like, what? Which is powerful. Yeah. So before we get there, let's learn why Spike picks up the glass. He says to Buffy, I think I killed them all. I killed the lady who lived here. She's like, why? Again, like written really well, right? Like she's not like, well, fuck you then. You're a killer. I knew it. Yeah. She's like, okay, but like you're you're clearly upset and you're clearly telling me this. So like something's going on. Why did you do it? And he's like, I don't know why. And then evil Spike is like, let me sing you a little song. Early one morning. Cover your ears at home. Yeah. Don't listen. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. 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 Uh, this little ditty I looked up is an old English folk song mm. uh, with lyrics first found in publications as far back as 1787. Oh, that's an interesting fact since Spike is also old in English. Yes. Mm. Exactly. Put it in your Shanshu um, prophecies. 
Yes, please do. Here's the biggest question I have. Now, I know this evil, this from beneath FBYID. <gasps> yes. Okay, I caught myself. It's a big evil. It's a big evil. It's very powerful. We don't know exactly what the fuck it is or whatever, but like... It's powerful enough to somehow tell vampires that have been sired that when they arise, they're going to restrain Buffy for Spike. That seems like an insane amount of power. That's like, these vampires don't even try to bite her. They just get up and they hold her so that Spike can get her. Yeah, it's interesting. I wonder if each of those vampires is seeing someone that they know from their life being like, do this thing. Hold this girl. Oh my God, this evil FBYID guy is so uh-huh. busy. Uh-huh, uh-huh. So this is when he picks up the glass. He cuts her. She, he goes to, you know, and, and evil Spike is like, I don't even know what he's saying. You bite her. You want to taste her. Who knows what the fuck he's saying? Evil uh, things ooh. in the background. And Buffy says, you don't want to do this. Um... And then Spike licks her arm, which truly could only maybe be done by James Marsters in a way that, like, <laughs> is not... Like, it works somehow. He, like, licks somehow. her arm and it works. Against all odds. It's truly. Like, give him an award for that shit. But in this moment, he just starts remembering everything in, like, rapid succession. Um, yeah. And it's really hard... But it does make him stop what he's doing. And in and again, Buffy, like, this episode, I just want to, like, put it in a little box and say that I think, you know, if we're collecting episodes where we see the slayer that Buffy truly is, I think this is one of them. Because of what I said earlier, but just, like, there's so many things happening in these moments. And she still is, like... I don't know what the fuck is going on with Spike, but I but he took a step away. So I need to use that step away to grab this guy and start staking everyone around me in this entire basement. It's really brilliant. It's like, it's good. Yeah, especially in such close quarters with such a long weapon. Yeah. Really... She does that one, two, three with the three vampires in a row and yep. then behind her to the guy in the back. Yeah. Very good. <sighs> then... <laughs> Then a slight moment of comedy where another lady, <laughs> her hand comes out. I think that's the lady who, who owned the house. house. Yeah, Buffy she's the grown-up. Sorry, ma'am. It's my job. And then stakes her. <laughs> <laughs> but meanwhile, evil Spike is gaslighting real Spike. And he's like, you failed them. Now she's going to kill you. Because that's what this evil thing thinks. Like, that was his plan, right? Like. Buffy will just kill Spike and that'll be fun and part of my fun dramatic plan to do whatever he plans to do. But she doesn't, does she, Jenny? She sure doesn't. Uh, Not even when he pulls open his jacket and says, do it fast. Then he says, he said you would do it. And Buffy's like, who said? And he is so confused. He's like, like, me, me. me. Oh, again, really powerful shit here from both Sarah and James. Yeah. And it, and it's important, you know, to note that like he's continuing. He's like, I was I was here the whole time talking and singing. There was a song. And Buffy's like, what are you talking about? And he says, I don't know. Don't make me remember. And then he turns away from her mm-hmm. and says to an unseen force to Buffy, uh, make it so I forget again. I did what you wanted. And yeah. Buffy is finally like, ah, there's something here. Yeah. And then, oh, no. 
she drops the steak and Spike says, no, please, I need that. Oh, no. It's so awful. <laughs> I know. And then this she's poor like, man. I know. And she's really like taking care of him in this moment. And she's like, there's something playing with all of us. And he says, help me. Can you help me? And she says, I'll help you. And Invisible Spike is like, ugh. <laughs> Gross. <laughs> oh, it's nice. It's really nice. Um, I mean, it's like fraught and traumatic and sad and complicated and scary, but it's nice. So we get this sort of like, you know, gather the gather the crew, recap mm-hmm. what's happened and what, where we're at in the in the dining room. Anya's like, "Do you believe him?" Xander's like, "Oh, okay, cool. So he's not only a serial killer, but he's that great out of control, doesn't know what he's doing serial killer." Ideal, right? Um, and Buffy explains like he's he's not only here so that we can help him. He's also here because it seems like whatever this thing is has gotten closest to him. Mm -hmm. And so her plan is to get close to Spike in order to try to get closer to this evil. Um, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Which, like, you know, I mean, as much as it sounds treacherous, does seem like a good plan. Yeah, I mean, given the options available to them, it's like, okay. Uh, Then back in grainy, grainy London town. (laughs) Well, London is known for its grainy weather. Yes, 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 yes. Uh, It's always graining in London. Uh, Giles rolls right into Robson's flat. He's got a key. And he's like, Robson! He, ru- he sees uh, the fallen Nora. He runs over to Robson. And Robson, close to death, gasps. Gather them. It's started. Yeah. And then what happens? Oh, my God. And then Ghosty is like, Skirk! And comes up behind Giles and picks up his bladed knife and goes to slash Giles' whole head off, cut to black. How rude. Yeah, this is like, Giles is like, Got it. I understand. I'll do the thing. And the axe that the robe guy is swinging is just inches from his head. This is a rude way to end an episode. Very, very rude. Stephanie Tanner said it best. Mm-hmm. And that, that's the episode. So, I mean, what's good is that it seems like between conversations with dead people and Sleeper, we are really um, finding out that there might be, in fact, something beneath us <gasps> which might <gasps> devour. <gasps> so I'm excited to get a little further into that plot line um, and find yes. out what, what it might be. And um, yeah, a pretty, a pretty, pretty decent episode. Some laughs, some drama. Yeah, some laughs, some gasps. <laughs> Uh, speaking of laughing and gasping, do you want to go to the Sexual Tension Awards? Uh, I guess. Let's do it. Welcome back to another installation of the Sexual Tension Awards. Ba-ba-ra-ra, 
we all know that uh, fanfare trumpets are the world's sexiest instrument. So that's why I've chosen to deploy them today. Jenny, somebody tweeted at us. Um, they shared a tweet of somebody else with us uh, that said, why call it sexual tension when you could call it bangxiety? Wow. <laughs> Welcome back to the first installation of the Bangxiety Awards. <laughs> uh, wow. Yeah, it's okay. pretty good, right? It is pretty dang good. Um, incredible. Uh, okay, so you're never going to believe this. But we've got four slots and eight noms to stuff into them. So let me tell you how the pairings are falling for this edition. In slot number one, sometimes you're the bite-er and sometimes you're the bite-e. But the point is mm. that it's Anya and Butts. Anya and Butts. Anya and Butts. Let Anya and Butts win solely so that Emily McLongstreet makes us a Photoshop of Anya and Butts. <laughs> oh, my word. <laughs> Uh, counterpoint, don't make Emily <laughs> McLongstreet have to Photoshop a million butts. Uh, uh. Slot number two. <laughs> Technically, I guess this is kind of like five noms. Uh, it's mm. Charlotte and foursomes because she'd love it if you and her could take him and her. Mm -hmm. In any kind you know? of combination. Any which way. Any which way. Uh, in slot number three. What happens at the Watchers Academy and on Watcher <laughs> Retreats stays at the Watchers Academy and Watcher Retreats. It's Giles and Robson. Smooth. Sharing a deathbed, meaningful deathbed eye contact. Yeah. They will never smooch again. And in slot number four, there's been actually a lot of fucking fanfare all season mm -hmm. about this. This pairing has just been growing closer mm -hmm. and closer and closer. And now they're like, it's ready to pop. It's ready to pop. Their noses are like one millimeter apart. <laughs> They're about to smooch. This is my personal favorite. Kristen told you her favorite. I'm telling you my favorite. <gasps> it's Sunnydale and the thing beneath it, which devours. <sighs> they, they... I mean, it's OTP. true. OTP. It is true. Like, if we are picking the thing that has the most anxiety, it is that one. But I just really want that. I guess, I guess Emily could just make me a Photoshop of Anya and Butts just for fun. Yeah, Emily could do that just for you. Just, just for your own for enjoyment, me. regardless. Yeah, yeah. Okay, good. Well, if you want to cast a vote, and you should... Uh, please find us on Twitter at BufferingCast. We will have the Sexual Attention Awards slash Bangxiety Awards poll up for one week from the day this episode drops. So chime in. <sighs> See you over there. Well, Jenny. Another episode closer another to episode, the end. Another pod. Do, 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 do. You know? I do know. We used to sing that song um, on opening night of the high school musicals that I was in. Not to be confused with <laughs> high school musical, but the musicals I was uh -huh. in in high school. Mm -hmm, I was mm -hmm. really emotional. And like see, all the seniors would always like cry singing another opening another the seniors and you whatever grade you were in <laughs> probably would always honestly, cry yes, definitely 100 <laughs> percent um yeah another episode i did want to say uh something i forgot to mention earlier when anya was mucking around in spike's room 
Uh, it just made me think that like all I want really, and I guess we got a little bit of this with uh, what we do in the shadows, but just like thinking about because Anya's like opening his drawers and like all his little clothes are in there and like he's got his little stacks of CDs and like all I want <laughs> is to just like see what Spike does in the room. Like what he what does he do? Does he do the laundry? And then does he fold his little clothes up and put them in the drawers? You may remember from both the last episode and also the previously on that this used to be a closet. Not a closet, kid. Come on. Not a closet. That's a big fucking closet <laughs> ridiculous anyway um yeah well onwards and upwards we go and we should continue to go upwards because we heard that from below us some's trying yeah. to chomp keep moving on up uh don't get chomped don't get chomped well friends i if you can believe it am jenny owen youngs and when i'm not making this podcast uh i do a lot of music business uh, and I, hey, just announced very recently uh, some spring tour dates. Uh, I'll be going out with my beautiful friend and uh, friend of the pod, Rishikesh Hiraway. We're playing some collaborative shows together in Philly, D.C., Saugerties, Brooklyn, Boston, Portland, Maine, Seattle, Portland, Oregon, San Francisco, and Los Angeles. You can find tickets and info at JennyOwenYoungs.com slash events. And you can give me a shout on socials at JennyOwenYoungs. What do you think? I think that you should pit the two Portlands against each other. Like, I think there should be some kind of a competition so that yeah. the Portlands can compete. Uh, two will enter. Only one can leave. Which Portland will reign supreme? Yeah, 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 yeah. And if the fate if of your town <laughs> resides in you. <laughs> um, believe it or not, I am Kristen Russo. And yes. you can learn more about the work that I do with LGBTQ plus communities over on my website at kristinnoline.com. That's K-R-I-S-T-I-N-N-O-E-L-I-N-E. And you can use that spelling to find me on social media, Twitter and Instagram specifically, because I kind of don't fuck with Facebook. Buffering the Vampire Slayer is on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. <laughs> I mean, uh, listen, we, I'm not telling you not to fuck with Facebook. Okay. I'm just saying I don't fuck with Facebook. I do fuck with Facebook because I run the Facebook page for buffering, but I just don't personally uh, fuck uh, with Facebook. Indeed. Uh, well, we, the podcast, are on all those platforms at BufferingCast. And you can drop us an email at BufferingTheVampireSlayer at gmail.com. You can support the work that we do here by going on over to patreon.com slash bufferingcast or just go to our website. It has everything you have needed ever in the whole world. Ever. It's all there for you. Bufferingthevampiresslayer.com. You can click on Patreon to join our growing family uh, over there. Or you can buy some of our merch. We've got sweatpants in the store now. We've got sticker packs. We've got long sleeve tees. It's great. It's a good time over in the merch store. And um, heads up, in case you've missed it, on the other million announcements, the Friday night of our two-night prom event is now able to be attended virtually. You can join us. It is the 25th anniversary of Buffy the Vampire Slayer, the show. Have you heard of it? And we will be <laughs> at Sunnydale High School, a.k.a. Torrance High School, where the show was filmed. Have you heard of it? And you can join us there. Well, we talk Imagine they were listening to this podcast having never, never heard, heard of, of Buffy the Vampire Slayer. We're going to be like talking about all of our favorite moments from the series. Jenny's going to be playing some music. She might even let me hit a little bell or two on my Glock. Bing. 
Um, it's going to be really, really wonderful. And all of the details for attend, you can still, at least as of this taping, you can still attend in person on that Friday night. We still have a few tickets left. Um, but if you want to attend virtually, you can. All of the information at bufferingthevampireslayer.com slash prom. Hooray! This episode was produced by Kristen Russo, Jenny Owen Youngs, and Alba Daza, with support from our consultant, Mackenzie McDade. It was edited by John Mark Nelson. And till next time, Awoo! Once upon a time, there was a girl 
who dreamed of flying through the stars. Who dared to resist injustice. Who lived to a beat and a rhythm that was all her own. Her name was Chloe, Frida, Oprah, Celia Cruz, Josephine, Greta, Ruth, Alice. One day, she wondered, could today be the beginning of something new? This was her one opportunity to do something, something big. So that's exactly what she did. Along the way, she discovered that she wasn't alone. Her body felt strong, her mind sharp. She was prepared to work as hard as it took. Her words were making a real change, and she felt powerful. I'm Gail King. I'm Andrea Day. I'm Diane Gibbons. I'm Lindsay Vaughn. I'm Jamila Jamal. I'm Anita Hill. I'm Brenda Chapman. I'm Alana Glazer. And this is Goodnight Stories for Rebel Girls. Listen wherever you get your podcasts or find out more at rebelgirls.com slash audio.